win it. Are you kidding me? Are the national champions of 2015? And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Crown Sports Charlotte Show. He is Alex Abernathy. I am Cameron McGowan. Today, we are coming at you with all the sports, all the topics that you care about. Today in the show, we're going to be talking about the Cam Newton fallout. We're going to be talking about what the Panthers need to be a legitimate playoff team, what role their new addition, Dante Moncrief, is going to play for the team. We're going to go with the hottest man in sports gambling, Cameron McGowan's Golden Nuggets. College basketball starts tonight. We're going to talk about what we think about Duke and UNC and kind of preview their season, uh, how we think they're going to do, how far we think they're going to make it in the tournament. And then lastly, we're going to wrap it up with some the best player on the Hornets, who we think the most important player is right now. We're going to have a little trivia question at the end, and then we're going to wrap up the show. As always, we are sponsored by Steam Roll Vodka. It is the drink of the working class people. You cannot miss it. They have a huge yellow road sign on the bottle. Walk in, grab yourself a bottle for everybody tuning in. Thank you, thank you so much. Give us a follow, comment throughout the show. We love when you guys interact with us. We love talking to you guys when you guys give us our opinions and we kind of have something to discuss besides just our opinions. Um, share the show. You know, uh, give, give us a retweet if you're on Facebook. Give us a share. Get as many people in here as possible. Um, we, 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 we love having that interaction with the fans. So that being said... Uh, we're probably going to go ahead and jump right in. Alex, I know you have a, a little something you'd love to say about the Cam Newton fallout. Yeah, and just like last week, it looks like we're going to lose Facebook right off the bat. I really don't know what keeps happening with our Facebook, but it is gonzo. So, once again, we're just on Twitter again. And with that being said, yeah, let's talk about this Cam Newton situation here. Uh, and also, as always, if you're watching the show live and you want to go back and check it out podcasted later, you can do that. We will tweet out the link. We will Facebook out the link. Cameron's taking care of the Facebook situation right now. So, as you <laughs> hope to God know, Cam Newton was placed on IR today, which means he's got to be out at least eight weeks, which means he's done for the season. Now, if you've been on Panthers Twitter at all, Cameron, first thing he said when he saw me is Panthers Twitter is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And he's right. Panthers Twitter has just been freaking ridiculous today. Uh, there's all sorts of blame going around. There's all sorts of speculation, conspiracy theories flying all over the place. And it's just nuts. Just seeing all this Cam Newton stuff is nuts. So let's tackle a few things here, Cam. Let's talk about kind of where the Panthers go from here, what Cam Newton really does for here, who's to blame, and just there's a whole lot to tackle with this. So I'll start. I have a slight rant. For a lot of Panthers fans that have really pissed me off today. So, if you're a Panthers fan that is blaming Ron Rivera for Cam Newton's injury, that is absolutely absurd. Okay? You cannot blame Ron Rivera for Cam Newton's injury, and here's why. A lot of people are saying Cam Newton should not have played in the last couple weeks of the preseason. That's what really injured his foot. That's what hurt him. Ron Rivera shouldn't have done it. It's Ron Rivera's fault. No, it's not Ron Rivera's fault. Ron Rivera played Cam Newton in those games because those reps early in the season are valuable with your teammates. Late in the preseason, those reps become valuable early in the regular season. I shouldn't even have to say that. I shouldn't have to say it, but apparently some people need it. And Ron Rivera played Cam Newton to try and get those valuable reps. And the reason he played Cam is because he was told by the training staff that Cam Newton was good to go in a limited capacity. So he played him in that limited capacity. And the training staff would not have told Ron Rivera that if Cam Newton was not actually ready to go in a limited capacity. Ron Rivera was doing what was the best for the team. Okay? And I'm not saying the training staff was wrong. They weren't wrong either. Here's the reality of injuries. When you're coming right off of an injury, you are more susceptible to re-injure that same body part. That's what happened here. It's not Ron Rivera's fault. It's not the training staff's fault. It is the nature of injuries and football. 
It's just how it goes, especially when you're a quarterback that thrives off of running and getting banged up. Over time, it adds up and it will hurt you. Now, I understand the foot injury happened on a non-contact play, but if you think (laughs) that Cam Newton's history of just taking hit after hit as a quarterback isn't what or played a part in adding up to this role, you're out of your mind. You can't blame Ron Rivera for this. You can't blame the trainers. You can't blame Cam Newton. The reality of this is it's football and it's the nature of injuries. That's yeah. that's what I got. No, I, I, I'm 100% in agreement. And, and I think another important thing is that Cam's, Cam said he was ready to go. You know, Cam said, I am ready to go. And even even though he said, you know, maybe I'm a little banged up, he didn't fully disclose what he was feeling. You, I mean, you, you can go back and see the Instagram post that he made when he literally said, I started jogging in the warm-ups of the L.A. game and couldn't jog. And he didn't tell anybody that. I mean, that, that how is Ron Rivera supposed to know something about Cam Newton that Cam Newton doesn't tell him? Ron Rivera doesn't know what Cam Newton is feeling. So it, it, anybody who is blaming any, anyone for this really is just I mean it, it, it's just almost unbelievable it, re, it really really is um, it, it, it's no one's fault it's, it's not Cam's fault it's not the training staff's fault it, it, it's not Ron's fault you know this, this just happens this is this is football I, everybody's in love with Cam Newton I get it I I was seeing pictures all day today of oh I wish I wish we had this team back and it's you know the Cam 2015 season I oh uh, I miss Cam blah 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 you're five and three with a chance to make the playoffs. If you're not talking about Green Bay, what are you talking about? Game by game, we who cares? We can talk about Cam when the season's over. You're five and three with a chance to make the playoffs, and you're talking about oh, I wish I had this team. Are you kidding me? I I, I would give. I'm sure NFL fans anywhere would would get that, that have losing teams would give anything for their team to have a chance at the playoffs right now. It, it's just it was crazy to me to see what some of these fans what some of these fans were saying. I'm with you, and if you know people, or if you are the guy that is blaming Ron Rivera for this, please share this show. Please share, let your friends who are just all out to blame Ron Rivera, let them know this is not Ron Rivera's fault. Cam, I see we have a comment there. If you can read that for me, I'm too blind to read that from here. But yeah, this is not Ron Rivera's fault it's at all. It's the preseason's fault. It, okay, I am of the opinion that the preseason should be shorter, but like I said, I, I'm not will, jumping at that right now to blame. And for those that want to blame Ron Rivera, if you want to criticize his decision-making, his game planning, the limited information that he gives the media sometimes, by all means do it, because I am right there with you. But if you want to try and blame him for this injury, you can't. And Cameron, you made a point that I'd totally forgotten about, about Cam Newton saying that he even felt like he wasn't ready to go against L.A., and then he went anyway. And I'm not going to sit here and point fingers at Cam Newton and say this is all your fault because I'm sitting here basically saying that I'm not a proponent of saying it's all anybody's fault. But I do think there's some blame to go at Cam Newton right here that people are just totally ignoring. These people that are just infatuated with Cam Newton are refusing to acknowledge that he could have any sort of blame here at all. And in reality, he does. It's not all his fault. That's not what I'm saying. But there is definitely fault to go around here. And I think a large chunk of it falls in the lap of Cam Newton himself. I the, do. The, yeah, the, the injury is obviously not Cam's fault. Nothing you can do about that, especially non-contact injuries. Those are, those are the worst kind. But, you know, if Cam doesn't go out there and try and play those first two games and instead rests and stays healthy, maybe Cam's back right now. Maybe Cam is the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, just like everybody desperately wants him to be, even though they're 5-3. and three, Everybody desperately wants him to be. Maybe he would be if he wouldn't have gone out there and played, knowing good and well he shouldn't have been out there, out there on the field. It... I don't know. It's just it's for it. It's so, I feel like it's so simple and so easy to see. But you know, every everybody on Panthers Twitter was was all up in arms about it. But anyways, all right that that was fun. I'll pose <laughs> another question to you. What do the Panthers do next? And it looks like we have another comment there on your phone. What we got? Uh, it, it kind of it kind of segues into. Um, one of our one of our next questions, uh, which is, you know, what do the Panthers need to be a legit playoff team? And the the question was, who who do they who do the Panthers basically pick up next to fill that spot okay. from the quarterback position? Yeah, and my answer to that is Taylor Heineke. Uh, I know you're gonna have a lot of people saying, "Go get Colin Kaepernick." Get out of here with that. No, go get Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke is a very serviceable. Be- 
per- serviceable backup. He's done it in the league for a handful of years. He knows North Turner's system. He and North Turner actually have a very good relationship that dates back before both of their times with the Panthers. So why not? He's still out on the market. He worked out with the Titans a couple weeks ago. He's worked out a couple places in the NFL, and he hasn't stuck. So why not bring him back? If you are dead set on keeping three quarterbacks, which I think it's important to note, North Turner is not dead set on keeping three quarterbacks. Generally on the roster in North Turner history, more times than not, he only keeps two quarterbacks on the roster and one on the practice squad. And I think that could still happen. And I think he would bump Will Greer down to the practice squad. Well, no, because then he'd have to waive him and he couldn't get him there. Yeah. So I don't know what they do. They might carry three quarterbacks on the active roster like they did in the beginning part of this season. And I think one of them should be Taylor Heineke coming in as Kyle Allen's backup. Because as it stands right now, I don't believe that Will Greer is ready to go. I think the majority of the Panthers fan base, I know you you love Will Greer, but I don't think he's ready to play right now. Hopefully, neither of them have to because Kyle Allen is doing a fine job. Let him keep rolling out there and helping you win football games. But, yeah, I think Taylor Heineke is the guy you go get right now. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the the note that I had to answer the question of what the Panthers need to do to be a legit playoff team is have a serviceable backup. I, I don't think that... Will Greer at this time is ready to step into that role, especially in a playoff situation, because in in playoffs, it happens. Late in the season, it happens. Quarterbacks get knocked out, whether that's for a couple plays, whether that's for a game, whether that's for multiple games, it doesn't matter. Even if it's for one drive, you have to have a guy who can step in there and pick up pick it up at the drop of a hat for that drive, because that that could be the that could be the difference at the end of the game and in, in who wins and who loses. Will Greer is not that guy. They have to have somebody else. Looking at the list of, of, of free agents, I there's not much out there right now. And obviously, you can't trade for anybody. So uh, Taylor Heineke seems like a very, very logical decision, and I don't think anyone would, would disagree with that. Um, you know, unless they wanted to go with a veteran guy, which I could definitely see. You know, a lot of people love having guys who have a lot more experience than Taylor Heineke does, especially when you're going into a playoff situation. Um, you, Matt Castle is out there. Um, he's really the only guy that, that I'm seeing, a, a, a Drew Anderson, but I mean Brock Osweiler. But even then, you're you're talking about guys that didn't necessarily have the most success, but it's just if they wanted to go with a more veteran guy, you know, kind of that uh, Nick Foles backup type of guy who maybe never really did that much as a starter but can definitely come in at least for a game or two and, and do something for your team. Um, we have, we've got another comment. I was thinking the same thing last week on Taylor. Um, any word on how long before Christian, Christian Miller comes back? Um, I, I – yeah, about about the Taylor, I yeah, it's it just it just makes sense. I mean, at this point, he's a guy who knows the he knows he's very uh, good with the organization. He knows the the offense. He knows the players. You're you're not bringing in somebody fresh off the streets. It, it just makes sense. I think that's what they're gonna do. You can't you can't just keep Will Will Greer and and just pray that nothing happens to Kyle Allen. I'm trying to look up this Christian Miller question right now. I I. Don't know how long until he's supposed to come back. Uh, you know, you'd heard around this time, around mid-November. Yeah. Uh, let's see, we've got... So he returned to practice last week on Wednesday, uh, which I'm sure you probably already knew. Uh, I, I don't know. I, at this at this point, I really don't know. I wish I had a better answer for you, but at this point, I don't. But yeah, I do like at freaking trips is his name on Twitter. I love that name. Uh, he jumped in a few minutes ago, like you said, mm-hmm. and said he was thinking Taylor Heineke as well. I think there's a lot of Panthers fans thinking that same thing. He just jumped in one more time, said he had a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that's what was on the injury report. Uh, all right, so we've talked about Taylor Heineke a little bit. So, and this is one that's really going to get Panthers fans fired up a little bit. What do the Panthers do next in terms of Cam Newton? Do, he's got one year left on his contract. $21 million is how much he would hit the cap next year. You've seen a lot of numbers flying out. His cap hit next year will be technically $21,000,000. Will be Cam Newton's cap hit next year. What What do you think? I think I'm in the same boat, and I hate saying that I agree with, with Panthers Twitter, but uh, a lot of people on Panthers Twitter, it just there was this feel – that this that this was this was the last time we're going to see Cam Newton in the in a Panthers jersey. It seemed like everyone 
was um, everyone was kind of underlying. The reason everybody was getting so sentimental is because it seems like this is probably it um, in, in the blue and black for Cam. Now, where he ends up going, um, I think you look at a possible Chicago Bears team who has a great defense, and if they had anywhere near a decent quarterback, they could make some noise. I, I thought maybe the Chicago Bears would try and trade for Cam uh, before, but this was before I knew how serious the injury was um, and that his season was going to be over. Um, but I could definitely see him going somewhere like a Chicago Bears team who you know, may pick up another win or so, so they're not going to have one of those, you know, top top five picks. They're not going to be able to get one of the one of the big guys coming out. Um, they may be looking to just pick somebody up. And, and Cam, I think, could go and have a lot of success in Chicago. Uh, but that's that's just one of the places that I see him. Um, what about you? Uh, also, freaking trips, if you're still watching, uh, I really appreciate you jumping in and comment. I saw you said that's a tough call on this question. I'd love to hear your opinion. I, I want to know what you think the Panthers should do with this Cam Newton situation, I think, and yeah, this is tough. I think if you can get a good deal for him in a place like Chicago, if you can get a key defensive piece, go do it. But then I also ask the question, what does this Panthers team really need on defense right now? This defense is one of the better in the league, and they mesh, they click well. Of course, you can always add and improve. But right now, I don't know if I would really mess too much with this defense. I think if you could get a key O-line piece from somewhere, maybe a left tackle, but a left tackle is going to go for a much higher rate than a battered Cam Newton at this point. Yeah. Uh, so because I don't know how great the return would be for a Cam Newton trade right now, you might want to keep him. Uh, I said you're going to owe him about $21 million next year, and that would make him the 14th highest paid quarterback in football. So about middle of the road in terms of starting quarterbacks next year. And go ahead and take into account guys like Dak and Teddy Bridgewater, who are both about to be free agents. I don't know if they deserve more than $21 million, but the going rate for quarterbacks right now, if you want to get one of those guys as a starter for a few years, you're probably going to have to pay him more than that. So now we're looking at him being the 16th, 17th highest paid quarterback in football next year, which means you would be paying him in the bottom half of starting quarterbacks. And so it all comes down to, are you willing to pay him as a bottom half quarterback with the hope of him coming back being uh, the renaissance of Cam Newton and him being a top half quarterback? And I think I think that's a decent risk to take. Worst case scenario, you blow a year. Best case scenario, you get a bargain of a quarterback for one year. And I think this, this Panthers team, if Cam comes back and he is very good, is a very legitimate top tier of the NFC team. Kyle Allen, fine job. And I've said for a long time, I, I have really liked the way Kyle Allen's played. But at the end of the day, Kyle Allen is not a playmaker. He, he is the definition of a game manager who has let his players make plays, and they've done a great job around him. But right now, this team is primed to be a very good team. And I'm not saying they're just a quarterback away. I think they're, they're a few pieces on the O-line, but you put a dynamic Cam Newton quarterback back there, and this team can be a very good team. In worst case scenario, you bring him back for one year, he's not good, Kyle Allen beats him out for the job, and you already know that you can be a playoff contender with Kyle Allen back there, with this team. I think at this point, you, you keep him. I, I really do. The... Here's where I struggle, and it and it has to do with two parts, two parts of your logic, and I agree with with one of them, and because I agree so heavily with one of them, I can't agree with the other part. You you, you talked about how if Cam came and and was a good quarterback, they would be one of the top teams in the in the NFC, and I I I one or top teams in the National Football League. I 100% agree. I think as good as their defense is, if they can get a quarterback, they are a Super Bowl contender. I mean, I I truly I truly truly believe that. And a left tackle. Yes. However, I will say because of that, I don't think that they can waste a year. I don't. I just don't think they can take that risk because if Camp comes back, and sure, you know, you could go with Kyle Allen, but I. I don't necessarily think that Kyle Allen is the long-term solution. I think he's a great serviceable guy to put in there, but I don't think, you know, that he I, I don't think that he's the long-term solution. I would love to see Carolina either draft someone or go pick someone up. And I think that Cam is good enough and valuable enough that even if you can't get a player for him, you can get a 
third round pick, maybe maybe second round pick for him. Uh, and I think that that pick would be more valuable to the Panthers than taking the risk on on, on Cam Newton. Uh, and he's like I said, he's not done. Cam Newton is not done. I, I think he goes to another team and 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 plays very well. But I just don't think that Carolina is in the situation where they can take the risk on him. Marty has a plan is one of the funniest things I've seen who, all they day. They said, who would, you, who would you take in the draft for QB? Here's what I think about the draft, and that's, uh, do I think this is going to be a great quarterback draft class? I really do. But this team is there now, and I don't like the idea of going and getting a rookie quarterback and trying to win a Super Bowl with him now. And you said you don't think this team can win a Super Bowl with Kyle Allen, so my question is, if you don't think they can win with Kyle Allen, but you're also not of the opinion of bringing Cam back, and we just said that I don't think through the draft, I, I'm not trying to go win a, a, a Super Bowl with a first or second year quarterback over the next two years. Who are you going to get? I, I think Teddy that, Bridgewater. Would you rather have Teddy Bridgewater or Cam Newton next year? That's what this boils down to to me. Because I think your two best free agent quarterbacks. Easy. That's an easy question for me. Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, no. I mean, that's not even close for me. But I'm kind of with you. Yeah, that's not even close for me. But I mean, just to, just to kind of answer uh, the, the question uh, somebody asked of who I would go get in the draft, I think for Norv's system or <laughs> Nerve Turner's system, I think that the best would probably be a guy like Jake Fromm. I just don't see Tua or Jalen Hurts um, kind of fitting into that system that he has. I got a Herbert. I could see that too. I I I I really like Jacob Eason as well. Um, but I I think it needs to be a very pro style quarterback, a guy that can stand back there and sling the football. I I don't think you really need a a guy like a Tua or Jalen Hurts. Great competitors, great guys. They're going to find great teams. I just don't think that the Panther system is necessarily the best for them. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, I was just, that was just for me to kind of dive into that question a little bit. Yeah, and my answer to that is I wouldn't take a quarterback in this draft. If I was the Panthers, I would I would re-sign Kyle Allen on a, I mean, you're going to have to pay him a little bit more, but I would re-sign him as a backup and go get, or at least let him battle out a position, kind of like the Titans did with, with Tannehill and Marcus Mariota this year. Uh, I would go get a guy. I think if you can get Teddy Bridgewater for cheaper than Cam Newton, then yes, you trade Cam Newton for a draft pick and you bring in Teddy Bridgewater because from what I saw from him with the Saints this year, he's a quarterback that if you put a really good team around him just like the Saints did, mm. then you can go and you can be a legitimate playoff and Super Bowl contender. Other than that, he's the only real decent option coming up as a free agent this year. I was looking at it before the show today. Teddy Bridgewater is going to be a free agent. Dak Prescott, he's going to go back to Dallas. Yeah. I feel very confident in that. Marcus Mariota's not winning you a Super Bowl. Jameis Winston's not winning you a Super Bowl. And those are really your four guys yeah. that are going to be free agents next year. So, yeah, I think if you can go get Teddy Bridgewater for cheaper than you have Cam Newton now, then you do it and trade Cam for a draft pick. If you can't get him for cheaper, I don't think then will. I roll with him. Yeah, I, and I don't think they're going to be able to get him for cheaper. Um, I think there's going to be a team that, is willing to pay Teddy Bridgewater elite quarterback money, um, and I and so I, I don't think that the Panthers are going to be willing to do that. And so I think it just puts the Panthers in a very, very, like, you know, bat, it's a tough situation because I don't think that they're going to – there's nobody they can go get. I don't think – unless Teddy Bridgewater just decides he wants to come play for Carolina, I don't think they're going to be able to offer him what another team is willing to offer him, which puts, which puts the Panthers in the situation of do we move on from Cam, and if we are – then what? Because they can't get a guy. They're not going to be able to get a guy in free agency. I don't think so. So if they do move on from Cam, it's either Kyle Allen or a draft pick or both. Uh, you know, and and maybe it's it's patchwork, and maybe you just bring the rookie guy up behind Kyle Allen for a couple games and then slide him in. I don't know. We'll see when that time comes. But you know, th- this offseason, the Panthers have a very, very, very tough call to make. And no matter what you do. There's going to be a lot of unhappy Panthers fans, no matter what. Yeah. Uh, if Panthers Twitter today has been any indication, you're not making everybody happy. You never will. You can't try to. All right, let's kind of let's wrap it up on the Cam Newton conversation. We've got more Panthers to talk for sure, but let's, let's kind of put a bow on the Cam Newton situation for now. If you want more of that, go just roll through Panthers Twitter. You'll get enough of it. Let's talk about uh, – this is a fill-in-the-blank question. Let's see, we're about 25 minutes into the show as I tweet this out real quick. So, fill in the blank. The Panthers need to blank to be a legitimate playoff team. 
I, I don't just mean, I'm not talking Super Bowl contender, but I'm not just talking in the hunt. I'm talking a team that makes the playoffs and a team that you say, you know what? That was a good team. They deserved to be in the playoffs. Go ahead and fill in the blank. For you guys watching, uh, freaking trips, if you're still watching, I just love that name. If you're still watching, I would love to get your fill in the blank here. It doesn't have to be one word. Just the Panthers need to do blank to be a playoff team. Go ahead and comment. Love to hear it. Cameron, what you got? I I kind of touched on this earlier, so I'll kind of uh, <clears throat> give this one to you. I said I said serviceable backup quarterback. I kind of touched on that, you know, deep in the season, it is bound to happen, whether it's one play, a game, a couple games. It's bound to happen that Kyle Allen goes down for some point of time. You got to have somebody who can step in and and at least work an offense. I, I don't think that Will Greer is that guy, so I'm going to say they have to go get somebody else who can step in. Uh, but we I've already touched on that, so I'll toss it over to you. Got a comment. said, play consistently. I, I like that. I do think it's kind of it, it, it kind of can apply to any team. I think if any team can play consistently well, then they're a legitimate playoff team. But no, I like that for sure. I said, and this kind of gets into playing consistently, the Panthers need to be better on third down. The Panthers right now are 27th in the league in third down conversions at 32%. If you told me a team was 27th in the league in third down conversions and then said, hey, this team is 5-3, and three, I'd be like, what in the world is going on? What's going on? Christian McCaffrey's going on. This team doesn't see a ton of third downs because Christian McCaffrey has been so good on this offense. But that really comes down to a couple things. The the struggles on third down have come down to the O-line, which I've harped on a lot. This is a third and eight league. You have to be able to drop back and complete a pass on third and eight. And I think this team may have made a stride in that direction with the Dante Moncrief signing. But either way, you have to be able to make that play. As of right now, the offensive line cannot protect whoever's at quarterback for long enough to make that play. And like we touched on earlier, Kyle Allen at this point in his career is not a good enough playmaker to go out and make a play whenever there's something broken. So the Panthers have to get better on third down. And freaking trips commented and said third down has been a killer every year with the exception of a couple years. And he's right. And this year is no exception to that rule. And that's where the Panthers have got to be better. That's where their defense has excelled, is they stop teams on third down over and over and over again. But it's also been the killer of the offense. So there's a couple things that go into that, like I said, the O-line and the quarterback play. But yeah, third down has to be better because if there's one time you can't rely on your running back to do something for you, it's third and long. Mm -hmm. And that just, I think it goes to to show, again— that how much of this offense is Christian McCaffrey is because first and second down, one of the best teams in the league. Third down comes around, one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. So third down is, is the biggest issue to me. Let's talk really quickly about Dante Moncrief. Where do you see him fitting into the Panthers? What role do you think he'll play? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that he's going to be a great third option. Um, you know, last year with Jacksonville, he caught 48 balls for 668 yards, a couple TDs. Not bad for not bad for a guy who's going to be you know a third option. The reason that he didn't do good in Pittsburgh was because he dropped five balls and only had four catches early in the season. That's because he separated his his middle finger in in uh, in training camp. So he's been talking about he's had a lot of pain and, and didn't really have that cushion. He's now recovered. That's what happened was basically the Steelers put him on the bench for for younger guys. Um, you know because he had this injury, he's now recovered. Another thing when he had his career high uh, in Indianapolis, sixty four catches. 733 yards and six touchdowns his wide receiver coach Jim Hostler is now the Panthers wide receiver coach so he's not coming into a situation where he's entirely unfamiliar with he's got guys who know what he's capable of um, and and you know when you have a guy who works so closely with someone when when they put up their career numbers I, I think he's going to come in and and be a really good fit I, I think you're right I think he will be a good fit and whenever they first signed him I think I was kind of conflicted in that you mentioned the drops. The drops were an issue with the finger, and even a little bit before the finger as well for him. Uh, Also, Freaking Trips said, when we play the Saints, we will truly know where we're at. I think that's accurate. I also think this weekend against the Packers, you'll get a very, very good uh, kind of benchmark as to where you're at because it looked against the 49ers a couple weeks ago that you weren't anywhere close. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this is another good test coming up this week. But with the Dante Moncrief situation— uh, he provides a big target. 
He will now be the biggest receiver at 6'2", 220 pounds. He'll be the biggest receiver on this team, which does help in a third and five to eight situation when you just have that big target. But you've got to be reliable. And as of late, he has not been. So Jarius Wright has been a third down target this year. So, of course, you're going to leave Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. They will always be on the field in that situation. Virtually every offensive snap, those guys will be on the field. So I see Moncrief kind of switching in and out reps with Jarius Wright, and I'll be curious. That's one thing I will definitely be watching this week is in a third down situation, and this week and the next week as uh, Moncrief gets more into this system, is who do they put out on third down? I just said that it's a concern of mine. I want to see which one of those two guys is going to be out there on third down. Is that all we have on Panthers? We've, we've talked 30 minutes about yeah, Panthers now. I, I, that's all I've got. All right. If you've just recently joined the show, you can go check us out. You can go check out the podcasted version. I'll tweet it out later tonight. First 30 minutes of the show, we're all Panthers. So thank you guys for checking that out. But if you're still tuned in, you want to stay for this next segment because it's called Cameron's Gambling Golden Nuggets. Now, what this is, is Cameron, every week, breaks down what he thinks are his best bets in the coming up weekend on the teams that we cover. And Cameron has been just red hot as of late. So you want to hear what he has to say. Cameron, we have one more comment before we move on. Yeah. Um, it was just freaking trip saying that he had high hopes for DJ and uh, and Curtis this season, but neither have showed up really. Uh, we kind of talked about DJ last show. He, I, I think he's quietly, you know, accomplished a decent amount as a number one wide receiver, especially dealing with, you know, the quarterback situation that, that's been going on. He really doesn't have uh, the, the best guy in the backfield thrown in the ball. But, I, you know, he hasn't scored that many touchdowns. But he has been serviceable and, uh, you know, has put a couple more yards. But, yes, you're right. We don't – neither one of them are, are elite wide receivers or really, you know, within that within that top ten. You're, you're, you're 100% correct. I'll agree with you, too. I had high hopes. I even wrote 700 words on our website at crownsportscha.com at the beginning of the season saying, I think this is the most talented receiving core that the Panthers have had in the last 10 years. And they have not lived up to that at all. So big swing and a miss by me there. But <laughs> now let's move on. Hottest man in sports gambling, Cameron McGowan. <laughs> yeah. What do you have? Uh, five zero oh, and one. I, I I like to give out you know three three little tidbits, trends, picks per show. Five zero oh, and one uh, uh, on my on my last six picks. I have yet to lose. Knocking on wood here, but all right, here we go. We'll we'll dive right in. <clears throat> one of the one of the games this weekend is Wake Forest versus Virginia Tech. In this, w- the total has gone over in in five of Wake Forest's last six games. Virginia Tech is a scoring machine. They, they, Virginia Tech is a scoring machine, but 63 is just—I mean—that's that is way too high for me. Wake's defense has been getting it together. Um, I, I I think the under is the play here. I think these are two really good teams going up against each other, and I think it's going to be—I think it's going to be a defensive game. I, I really, really do. Uh, moving on, uh, we will. One second, yeah. Give us just one quick second. Keep rolling, keep rolling, keep rolling. Okay. Uh, the, the, the next one we've got is uh, Coastal Carolina versus Louisiana Lafayette. Maybe it's not. Sorry about that. Quick interruption. We're uh, using a studio. A lot of people, you know, use, come in and out, uh, kind of grabbing all sorts of things. But getting right back to it, Coastal Carolina versus Louisiana Lafayette. The title's gone over in five of Coastal's last six games. Both of these teams are offensive powerhouses. Uh, it's going to be a shootout. I'm going over 57 and a half. Um, that that that's just that's just way too low for me. Um, you know, uh, L- Louisiana Lafayette is a very good team. Coastal has been putting up. You know, even against really good teams like App State, they, they've been they've been able to put up uh, good points. 57 and a half. Um, I I think I think that this one goes at least 65. Um, next, we've got Eastern Carolina versus SMU. This 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 one's my mortal lock for the this one's my mortal lock for the week. The total has gone over in eight out of the last nine for SMU, but five out of the last six times ECU and SMU have played, the over has hit. 
ECU put up 43 on the number 17 team in the nation last week, Cincy. Now, they ended up losing it right at the end. It was a heartbreaker, 46-43. But they were in that game to the end and put up a lot of points on a very, very good football team. They've been getting their offense. Their offense has been rolling. They've been putting up a lot of points these last couple weeks. The total is 70.5. That is very high. That is extremely high. It's high for a reason. It's because the total's going over. I'm going to go ECU, uh, SMU over in this one. And here's a little bonus pick. Here's a little bonus pick. I usually give out three. I'm giving out four this one. I couldn't stay away from this once I saw it. SMU's a 21.5 point favorite against ECU. ECU has really been playing well lately. I mean, they have been figuring it out on offense. If they could just somehow scrounge some kind of defensive game together that they would have upset Cincy. I mean, number 17 team in the nation, they played very good against a UCF team that's, that, is a, that is a really good team a couple weeks ago. Um, the Hungry Dog runs faster. Uh, ECU covers. ECU is the Hungry Dog. SMU is cruising at 8-1 and one right now. I, I, I think they're going to underestimate them. Hungry Dog runs faster. ECU covers. So just to recap, we have the Wake Forest, Virginia Tech, under. Coastal Carolina, Louisiana Lafayette, over. East Carolina, SMU, over. And SMU to not cover 21.5 against ECU. All right, the little bonus pick there. I don't know if I agree with your bonus pick. Hungry Dog runs fast. I'll let you go. Hungry Dog runs fast. Yeah, and SMU just got upset by Memphis last week. I think they're pissed and they're going to come back hard. Classic letdown game. All right, let's roll on to our next topic. I hope you guys are basketball fans because college basketball is back, baby. College basketball, it's my favorite It's my favorite season. I freaking love college basketball. It's back tonight with just an unprecedented first night of the season with number one playing number two and number three playing number four all under the same roof in Madison Square Garden tonight. It's going to be just absolutely insane. So just kind of to kick things off because we do, we've done a lot of Panthers here, so let's go really quickly through UNC and Duke basketball, I want to know, one, what is one question you have about each team, and then two, how far do you think each team will go in the tournament? Of course, now, this prediction is just so far away, but it'll be really fun to look back and say, hey, we told you so back in November. So we will start with uh, freaking trips as a Duke fan. So we will start with Duke. Freaking trips, I want to hear what you think. Cam, I want to hear what you think. What is one question you have about this Duke team rolling into the season? I, the question that I have is leadership, right? There, there are two guys that, I, that I'm pinning on. Jack White is a senior this year coming back. Everybody knows Jack. It feels like he's been there for 20 years. Do I look like him? I've been told that I kind of look like a shorter, less. I was going to say maybe if yeah, maybe if you were like eight inches taller, you yeah. you would. But I know I can see it. I can definitely see it. He's maybe, a good looking he's, dude. Yeah, he, well, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then Trey Jones obviously decided to stay and come back. I want to see leadership from Trey Jones. That is a that is a big question that I have. Trey Jones last year, obviously the spotlight was not on him, um, you know, with, with, with Zion. And Trey Jones coming back this year, I want to see if he's willing to and ready to step into that leadership role. I want to see him being a court general. I want to see him talking on the floor. I want to see him, you know, talking to players, getting them ready. If, if, if he can step into that role, I think that this team really, really could go far. I mean, obviously that's – that's just that's. I feel like it's we assume they're going to go far. They do it every single year, um, but uh, you know, just to kind of answer, I guess it's a pretty wild thought right now to how far I think they'd go in the tournament. I mean, it's I don't I haven't seen most of these guys play before. Um, they have a lot of talent. I think if, I think they go at least elite eight. I mean, it's just hard for me to look at all the talent on this roster and 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 not think. Obviously, they get to the Sweet 16, um, so if they could just win a game in the Sweet 16, Elite 8 seems seems pretty easy and pretty serviceable for them. So I'm going to go leadership is the question and Elite 8. My main question about this team also revolves around Trey Jones. Not as much in his leadership, but when he is called upon to be just the alpha dog. Late in the game, not can he lead the other guys because the team is going to be loaded with talent, mm-hmm. but when he is called upon 
to you've got the ball, you need to score and win us the ball game. Does he have that killer instinct? Does he have it in him to be that alpha and win the game? And I don't know if he does because if you think back to the UCF game in the tournament last year, the way UCF kind of guarded Duke was they said, we're going to guard the three big dogs and we're going to let Trey Jones have his. If Trey Jones can beat us, so be it. And yes, Duke won that game, but Trey Jones struggled in that game. He, I, I, they, they virtually did not guard him in that game, and he could not truly lead that team to victory. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be Duke should have lost that game. I mean, if you watched the tail end of that game down the stretch, they should have lost that game. So my question is, Trey Jones, can you be the alpha dog? And then in terms of my prediction for this team, freaking Trips is going to like this. I think this could be a Final Four team. I think it's definitely a lead eight team. I will go ahead and take the jump and say this is a Final Four team. They will be in Atlanta this year, and here's why. It's a very different team than last year in that they don't have just the three huge lottery pick names. But this is still a team that has four guys projected to go in the first round of the draft. Matthew Hurt, Trey Jones, Wendell Moore, and Vernon Carey are all going to be mid to late round, first round draft picks. There is no other team in the country with that type of depth of talent through their starting lineup. Uh, nobody else can compare to that. The only other team is maybe Washington, who, who's not even ranked, but they have two guys that could be probably be lottery picks this year. So I think that those four guys are they're going to comprise the most talented starting lineup in the country, and you match that up with one of the most proven and best coaches in all of college basketball, this team is going to a Final Four. Yeah, freaking Trip says it all depends on if they're hitting threes or not. They're either hot or stone cold in that area. It does seem like recently in, in past years, Duke has come and gone as the three has gone, you know, if they're hitting, especially with, with Cam last year and, and RJ. Um, at, real quick, just because I know, it's just kind of, I don't know that we'll have time at the end for the whole trivia segment, and I just had one question that fits in really, really well right here. Perfect. When was the last time that Duke got to a Final Four? What year was the last time Duke got to a Final oh, Four? Oh, I should know this. Uh, 2016? 2015, 2015. Actually, which it's, that That's a huge criticism that they faced, especially with the team they had last year. You know, loaded a, a, last year three three great players um, that, it, that ended up uh, going to the NBA. Could have had a fourth, probably. Um, but that, that was a huge criticism last year is that this team, as good as they've been, has not gotten to a Final Four in, in a lot of time. And that's not, that is very rare for Coach K teams, but we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, but in today's day and age of college basketball, a lot more parity. It, anybody can yeah. lose. The, you're not seeing teams just stacking up Final Fours and championships. Mm-hmm. I mean, John Calipari over the last 10 years leads the leads the nation in Final Fours, and I think he has four. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you're not seeing anybody just that you can say every year, oh, this team's going to be a Final Four team. That That's not ha- how it happens, and that's a very good point by freaking Trips. He says Kentucky will have it out for Duke this year, too. Yeah, they will after that beatdown to open the season last year. John Calipari's worst loss in his entire career. Yeah. Kentucky wants a shot at Duke this year, and they will be after blood. All right, same question, same reaction. UNC this time instead of Duke. Yeah, UNC, the question for me is not the— so Cole Anthony is is an all-world freshman point guard that they're going to have. My my question is this. The guy, you know, with Duke, you have Trey Jones, who everybody knows. He, he's been around. He knows the system. He's, he's running the show over there. With Cole Anthony, you have a guy that— None of these guys have played with, especially returning guys, and he's supposed to be the guy running the show. Not only the point guard, like Cole Anthony is supposed to be the guy. And 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 for me, when you have a freshman that comes in who is the point guard especially, has the ball in his hands most of the time, supposedly going to be the guy with with a lot of players that are returning, sometimes that, that, that doesn't necessarily – uh, work out that well. It takes a couple games for them to finally mesh and 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 get into the get into a rhythm. We kind of saw that with Duke's team last year with with their with their big three that they had. It, it took them a little bit. And and my question is, how long is it going to take UNC to get it to get in the mix of things um, with Cole Anthony? That's my question. I, I don't I, – I, UNC to me this year, they have weapons, and they're always – I mean, one of the best coach teams in college basketball. I, for me, I just don't 
I don't see it coming all together. I just I see a lot of pieces, but I don't see where they fit together. Um, I'm gonna go Sweet 16. Uh, I I I I just think that um, I I don't see them, you know, being that high of a high of a seed going in. Maybe a five, um, but I I I just I don't see them getting getting further than the Sweet 16 this year. My question for UNC, and it, we're going to have to wait a long time until the, we get this answer, <laughs> is how do they stack up against Louisville? Because I think Louisville may wind up being the best team in the ACC this year. I think Duke's going to be really good. Louisville, UNC, and Virginia yeah, are all going to be Virginia. really, really good. But I think the team that could potentially give UNC the most fits and maybe expose some of their flaws on defense or just in scheme in general will be Louisville. So my eyes are on that game, and we won't get that game until February 22nd. But that's that's my biggest question is how do they stack up against the Cardinals? As for me, I also have Sweet 16 for this team. I think Cole Anthony is so good. I think he's going to be the second— Second pick in the draft behind Dylan Wiseman at Memphis. I think he is Leangelo Ball might so have something good. To say about I think he's going to be a top five guy. I really do. And but I I think in the tournament you don't only need a good guard, you need an experienced guard. Now he might be just great enough to carry this team mm-hmm. to a Final Four. He might be, but there's a lot of great teams that get put out in the Sweet 16. I think sadly this UNC team could be one of them. All right, we're going to roll on next, coming up to wrap up the show, unless we have a little bit of time for trivia, but it's looking like we're not. That was that question I threw at you a second ago. I didn't know if you had any more or not. But so we've got one more segment left. We're going to talk about the Hornets. So the Hornets are quietly 3-3. and We're going to answer the question of who's the best player on the team and who is the most important player on the team. That's coming up next. But first, Cameron has a little word for us from our buddies over at Steamroll Vodka. Yeah, huge shout-out to our sponsor. They're the reason we can come in here and do this every week. Steamroll Vodka. It is some of the smoothest-tasting vodka you will ever taste. They are the vodka of the working-class people. You cannot miss it. Huge yellow road sign on the bottle. Walk into your local store. Ask the guy. Say, where the smoothest, best, richest vodka you have. He's probably going to point you to Steam Roll Vodka, the drink of the working class people. Go pick you up a bottle after work today. Maybe sip on a little, save it for the weekend. Who knows? You know, get a little, get a little crazy. Who knows? Anyway, Steam Roll Vodka. I drink some Steam Roll Vodka while I'm watching the amazing college basketball tonight. There it is. I don't know about you. All right, final topic. Like I said, Hornets. A little bit of Hornets talk. Who is the best player on the Hornets right now, and who is the most important player on the Hornets. It might be the same person. It might not be. Let's start. And if you guys watching, if you want to comment, who's the best player, who's the most important, let's start with who is the best player on the Hornets right now. I'll go ahead and give you my answer and give you another second. I'm going to go with Terry Rozier. Terry Rozier started the season slow. Over the last few games, though, he's put it together, and he started being the player that we expected him to be. He leads the team in scoring despite playing terribly over the first few games. Over the last four, though, he's had 19, 17, 22, and 20. He's also led the team in assists over those games. He doesn't on the season. I believe that uh, Vontae Graham still leads the team in assists. I think he has 6.8 per game, while Terry Rozier has 5.8. Give it another two weeks. Rozier will have that stat as well. So yeah, right now, I think the best player, as expected coming into the season, is Terry Rozier. Who's the best player to you right now on the Hornets? Okay, the best player? Uh, I, I mm, Terry Rozier. I have to go with Terry Rozier, and that's not necessarily because of how he's played thus far in the season. We're only six games in. Um, it, it, it just has to do with experience and, and him being having played in big moments before, um, unlike anyone else on this Hornets roster. And, and he's played well. It seems like he's starting to mesh with, you know, he, he, he plays point guard. We, we just talked about it earlier. When you're the point guard, you, you have to know how to play with the guys that you're playing with. Obviously, he hadn't played with any of them. Um, so it's taken him a second. He's starting to pick it up. Taylor Rogier, for sure, is the best player on this team. All right, last thing, because I know you got to get out of here. Who is the most important player on the Hornets right now? 
I'm going with P.J. Washington because if you look at wins and how they correlate to P.J. Washington, his best games, or at least his most efficient games, have been games that the Hornets have won. And P.J. Washington's three most efficient games from the field, two of which were also his highest scoring games, the 27-pointer against Chicago, then the 23-pointer against Sacramento, his best and most efficient games have been the games that the Hornets have won and I think he's just an energy jolt for this team. He's been a solid defender so far. He's shown off a little bit of range. Right now, I think P.J. Washington, though not the best player, is the most important player on the Hornets right now. I I am going to say, we have a comment real quick, P.J. has spiked the team in the crowd for sure, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and I was probably going to go P.J. Washington. I, I'm not going to do it now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find somebody else. I'm going to go Dwayne Bacon. And And... Dwayne has not necessarily – he's had good games this season where he's, you know, gone for 25. Um, but he, he if Dwayne Bacon can become that third guy or even jump P.J. and become the second guy, like a lot of people thought that he was going to – a lot of people thought Dwayne Bacon was going to be the first option this year. Um, it, right now his, his field goal percentage is not that good. He's shooting 36.6 from the field. But he, you know, he's averaging 13 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2 assists. If he can become that third guy that can consistently play, that is Dwayne Bacon's problem. He is not consistent. He will go for 25 and then he'll go for 5 and go you know, 1 for 6. If Dwayne Bacon can become consistent and really become a third option, a third threat on this team, I think he makes this team a lot more dangerous than they are. Right now you've got Terry Rozier and P.J. playing pretty consistently. If they can get a third guy, watch out. Dwayne Bacon needs to be a little smarter as well. Yeah. He tends to try and play hero ball here and there. All right, that's going to do it for our show. We are a little bit under an hour. That's exactly what we want to do. This was our midweek show on Crown Sports Charlotte. We do this. We will also do a Panthers postgame show on Sunday after the game against Green Bay. Then we'll be right back next week for our midweek show. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you missed any, we started the show with 30 solid minutes of really good Panthers talk. You can check that out on the podcast. We'll be sending that out on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, later tonight. And speaking of our Twitter and Facebook, go follow us on social media, at CrownSportsCHA on Twitter and Instagram. Also, we've gotten big into Facebook. Just go up and search Crown Sports Charlotte, and we'll be right there. Big shout-out to Freaking Trips for commenting all show long. Really enjoyed it. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Crown Sports Charlotte.